0: you saw the very best players the entire country has to offer, and you saw it throughout the course of the weekend. He's growing. He's improving at such a rapid rate. He, he's going to be a very good player. This guy's a cross between Sean Marion and Lamar Odom. He's a six-foot-eight lefty, a high-level athlete but also got a little bit of point-forward skills in him as he can handle and pass the ball extremely well. At this point, they are simply the standard by which everyone else is judged in prep school basketball. He's considering the likes of Michigan, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas. Welcome back to the Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein, and this week I am very excited to have Rachel Baker on the show. Now, if you've listened to this podcast or you've followed me, on social media for a while, you know that I often try and push back on a lot of the BS, quite frankly, or the the kind of the false narratives that surround the, the grassroots basketball community on social media or in some of these gyms. And part of that is, you know, you, you see things, people who have influence, people who have quote unquote power in this world. Well, Today we have one of those people, uh, one of the most influential people that I know. And I'm gonna guess that if you are a casual basketball fan, you haven't heard the name Rachel Baker, but she is, as I said, as influential a person I know in the grassroots basketball industry. So without further ado, Rachel, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Adam. I think you oversold it a little bit, but I appreciate the kind words
0: well it's it's uh we're gonna we're gonna keep going with that theme, so I wanted to start um with a story and i don't I have never told you this story I've told colleagues of yours this, but when did you start at nike do you how how long ago was that?
1: You're aging me um my first intern summer was the summer of twenty ten okay so 11 so years I, ago. I thought,
0: yeah, I thought it was about that so i'm and I just turned forty, so don't don't yeah the uh so It was around that time. I was guessing it was eight to 10 years ago. And I am downstairs at the Peach Jam. And for those who don't know, the Peach Jam is the biggest grassroots basketball event of the year, Nike's flagship event. And it can be very crowded downstairs because you've got Nike people, you've got teams, you've got players, you've got uh, later in the week, if we've got TV stuff, you've got us down there, which is why I was down there. So I was down there. Uh, walking coincidentally behind you and behind a prominent grassroots director. And this is a person who many, and I'm not going to say a name, but many people would, would know this name. And he, he commands a lot of uh, respect in the, in the basketball world, coast to coast. And I'm guessing you're in your early 20s. This was my first experience. I, I hadn't met you before but I, I, this, this guy is literally walking behind you and saying, you said you were going to send me this product. And, and, you know, kind of animated as it was you wheel around like complete one hundred and eighty, and say, I told you, I got you. And I got you. And I was like, cool. and now fast forward an hour later, we are in, I go and sit down in an ESPN production meeting, getting ready for a national TV broadcast, uh, on Sunday, This is Saturday night at about 1130. And in walks this same person who I just saw hold court downstairs. And she then begins to hold court in the production meeting. And, and, bas- and I, I look at so I text a colleague of yours and I said, I don't know who this person is, but I know you're going to end up working for her sooner or later. So that was that was very literally my first introduction to Rachel Baker. And it the it is always stuck with me through the years. I think it was about ten years ago, but I did want to start. Uh I, I won't dominate this this interview, but it, I did want to start with that story because that it is always resonated with me. I was like, wow, this person is a star. So
1: uh thank you i guess like it's funny because i could have had that same director conversation at some point yesterday so you never never know that timing. Mean, not not a ton has changed but yeah but i do remember that i do remember those late night production meetings those are always fun so yeah absolutely
0: absolutely and i must so,
1: say as you explained the basement in augusta the scent of being in the basement of augusta immediately flew flew back to me that's probably the most prominent part of the building so
0: no doubt i'm ready for the peaches right now let's go um <laughs> So I wanted to start at the at the very beginning because you at the time you came in, you were a a young lady doing unprecedented things in what had historically been a a, a man's world for lack of a much better description. And you were really kind of a pioneer and a trendsetter. Um so I wanted to kind of yeah. dive in and see how that that happened. Is this something, you know, where you're at now, is this something that you aspired to be or did this just kind of happen organically
1: i didn't even know this existed i Mm. didn't know that the um i knew about high school basketball i didn't know that the eybl existed in the way that it did i certainly didn't know that that peach jam existed um i tell the story sometimes about when i first started at nike i was kind of understanding everything that we did and we had these big events in vegas and in chicago and then i heard about this event in North Augusta, South Carolina in some gym that I had to drive two hours from Atlanta to get to. And I was like, well, we'll check this out, but like this can't stick. We need to evolve, we need to be different. Like we have to catch up with the times. And then I went into my first Peach Jam and I was like, oh, okay, like that's what this is, right. I get it now. Right. So I certainly didn't, didn't know about any of this. And I didn't know that, uh, I didn't know any other women that worked in the space um, either. I, uh, growing up around basketball, my dad was a a college basketball coach and I didn't see the women were either on television or athletic trainers. I Mm just didn't meet women that worked around basketball. So I wasn't sure exactly. Um, I knew that I I wanted to to be close to sports and I thought the only way to do it was to be uh, on TV. So I was a mass communication major and, and I was hoping that some, yeah, I was hoping some small TV station in Philadelphia might, might give me a chance, but I had no idea that I, I would fall into this world.
0: That puts the production meeting in, uh, that gives some context to the production (laughs) meeting.
1: That's a good point. I never really thought about that, but yes. Yes.
0: So you mentioned you were the, the, so how did you get that first, that, that first, uh, Nike internship? You didn't, you kind of went in, not with any preconceived notions that it could lead to something like this. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. Um, I got very I got very lucky. Um, my first uh, Nike internship. My dad has has been coaching um, at the what was then our our skills academies for probably mm-hmm. ten years before I even thought about it, and um, maybe about a week before. At the time, we had an Amari Statemeyer and Darren Williams. Skills Academy in, in Chicago, and um, there was an administrative like intern role um, that someone had very last minute um, been unable to fill, and and I think my dad had mentioned before that I was in the interning age, and um, the person that kind of ran the events at the time asked if I could come out to Chicago and help out. And when I say like administration, maybe even overselling what I did, I was like booking flights and making sure people got in the right hotel rooms and the buses left on time. Um, yeah. So definitely not to be sold short. It's a very important part of all the work that we do. But that's that was my first um, experience at Nike. But I had heard about my dad going to these camps my whole life. So um, it would always be like, uh, do you want anything from from the... I think he, he probably called it the camp store, the employee store, and I pictured him at this like table where he was like picking out T-shirts in my sizes. I never knew that there was a beaver in Oregon with with this tens of thousands of people working at this company called Nike. So I never put all of that together. So the first time I went to this basketball camp that my dad always worked at, that I would compare to in my mind to like a college camp or a high school basketball camp, but um, my mind was blown. I had never seen anything like it. Um, not only what was happening from like an operations perspective, what we did um, in terms of the the camp, the food, the rooms. I, I'm, I was 20 years old and i had in a hotel room. I didn't know what to do with that. Like all of those things. But then also it was going on on court. I still am, shocked sometimes by the level of, of talent that we see just in a throwaway game at the beginning of an EYBL season. So being at one of those skills academies and seeing these high schoolers and college players that just like absolutely killing, um, I this is so embarrassing, but one of the first inter-squad scrimmages or something I was working at um I clapped for something like someone did something and I clapped in my, if looks could kill. And I was like, don't you ever do that again? So I learned, I learned quick, the do's and don'ts of, of grassroots basketball. That's um,
0: funny.
1: yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, uh, that's even worse by the way, when you're like a national evaluator, I, I fortunately have never done it, but there's, there's we had a colleague once who who did it and who started yelling at the refs and we were just like, Hmm. Can't can't do that. Can't, can't do,
1: do that. Can't do that. Um,
0: now you mentioned your dad. Your dad. I, I've never met your dad, but I know of your dad. Um, Rod Baker. Is that that correct? That's him. Yep. And so he's a longtime coach. So if you if you wouldn't mind, tell me about growing up a coach's daughter, because another. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I tend to drop stories here, but I remember one day. This was an EYBL session a few years ago, and I was skipping out early on a Sunday afternoon. And because it was my son's like third birthday or something, and I was determined to get home. Actually, you guys have the same birthday.
1: Really? May May 14th, 14th, I think, right? I have spent a lot of birthdays
0: in high school. Okay, so this is exactly why we, yeah, because this is why we struck up the conversation. I said, I'm I'm missing the last two games. I got to get home to see my son before his birthday. And I remember you said that today's my birthday too. So, Um, so, but you had made, you made like a a comment about like, you know, I grew up with my dad always on the road. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about what that, you know, your dad's career with that was like and what it was like for you, your mom and, 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 and how that may have shaped where you are now.
1: For sure. Um, so it's really interesting. I, I thought about this for the first time somewhat recently. Um, my parents met and their first few when my dad was, was really young and, um, in the coaching world and really just kind of getting his feet wet and, and a few different opportunities. And he, they spent some of their first few dates with my mom in uh, the passenger seat with a paper map, like directing my dad around the country as he was doing different scouting and, and recruiting. Um, so to think about the fact that now every single day I'm trying to create a space that is more efficient for mm. coaches media athletes families it's, it's it's crazy to think about the the um kind of 360 moment that that landed me here but um that's definitely was what it was our, our lives revolved around um basketball and and my dad's career I was born in um Jersey when he was at Seton Hall and then before I turned one we moved to California for six years he was at UCI and it took me a while to realize that there were games being played. I wasn't just like at some fun thing with my friends where we'd chase the anteater around and I think my brother destroyed that costume one or two times. But um and then we spent some time at uh Cincinnati. Um my dad's an assistant with Bob Huggins and I used to fake sick all the time. There's nothing more fun than than sitting in a practice, and I learned a word or two um, under under Coach Huggins' tutelage. What, so that was I, a good time. I, I,
0: gotta, I gotta interject there because this is another thing I didn't know. What years <laughs> were you at? What years were you with Oh Oh, ninety six
1: to ninety nine ish. I'm guessing. So was I'm probably was Larry
0: Larry Harrison.
1: Think so. Kenyon Martin graduated the year after we left.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think that. So because I worked for Larry Harrison, who was Hugs's associate head coach in Cincinnati, and it is again now at West Virginia. When I was coaching, it was at Hartford working okay. for Larry. So I've, you know, Hugs is a Hugs is a Hugs has been on the podcast. Um the best, so, the yeah, I didn't mean to. Inter, I didn't mean to interject, but I, uh, no, okay. I I had no idea of that that uh, connection.
1: Yeah, the smallest, the smallest basketball world. Um, so then, after Cincinnati, we went to uh, back to Jersey. Uh, my dad was at Rutgers for a year, um, and that was his last college coaching job. And he he moved around a bit working. Um, in different for mining different minor league teams and that's when my mom was kind of like hey i need my p- children to have like some semblance of normalcy so we're gonna stay in jersey um right. so i was able to uh my brother and my mom and i stayed in jersey for high school until i went to college but it was it was crazy like the high it's all i knew so it wasn't but the, the highs and lows of wins and losses and moves and right. it just was our life so i think yeah. it's really um helped with uh, what's expected of, of me and my role now and, and the time that that goes into that as well.
0: I would also imagine it, it helps with your ability to connect, not just with players, but with family members of, yeah. of players. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's, that's a big, that's a big part of it.
1: Yeah. I didn't even notice, um, how much of it was in me until you try and do it until you try and relate to someone, to a kid, to, a. um, Family to a coach to a whatever whomever it might be. So it was we we were. Um, There's actually a year that my dad and I were talking about recently when um, my mom was working on a television show in California. So when we first moved to Cincinnati, it was just mom, dad, or my brother, myself, and my dad. So we'd have managers picking us up from school. It was like all hands on deck. So we were really raised raised in the in the basketball basketball yeah, community. Yeah
0: yep so and your your mom was not in the in the sports world right mm-mm, mm-mm.
1: Gotcha. she loves it she watches games with me now still and but she um she's a stylist she works in fashion
0: nice nice okay now it's all it's all starting to make sense now <laughs> i'm um, half and half <laughs> yeah, so now let me ask you this and i know this is probably a question that doesn't have a short answer but uh, I did not give your title at the beginning of this interview because, candidly, I don't know it. Um, I asked, and when I was when I I asked a, a colleague of yours, um, when I, I said, "Do you think there's any way Rachel would ever do the podcast?" and I was told, "I doubt it, but I'll ask." And then I, I the follow up question was, "What is her title even anyway?" and and he said, "I don't know, but I know she runs shit." So this is. Um, so again, same person by the way who I told 10, ten years ago he was going to end up working for you but um he doesn't. The, so how would you describe cuz again, most of my viewers are, do not have the same level of context or information about the you know the the basketball world, certainly the grassroots world. So to someone with with zero context, how would you describe or how do you describe what you do on a daily basis?
1: I'm really bad at it. Let me tell you, yes. um, it's hard, and it and it changes um, every day. As of about since October, um, I've been working um, on the Nike side on Kevin Durant's business, so completely stretching it into a different space oh, wow. than than I have ever ever uh-huh. worked on before. But um, when it comes to my EYBL work. I'll take a step back, I guess. So as I said when I when I started in this, like I didn't I didn't know a ton. Like I knew just enough about basketball and the world of basketball, and then also um, kind of culture and, and marketing, just enough to be dangerous. So I asked a ton of questions, just about why we did things, um, if we could do things differently, um, how how we could. Uh, we didn't really have a Twitter at the time. Instagram was just getting mm. popular. You probably saw me at some point maybe before that production meeting standing on Bleacher somewhere trying to get a good shot for our Twitter like it was literally all hands on deck Um, and I think what it really transitioned uh, what that role transitioned into as not only the UIBL has changed but the grassroots world has changed Um, the expectation of not only the league but our athletes and what we can do to arm them with the resources that they need to, to contribute and evolve in that space and that's where where I've Build in. I would say that anything that's, that's not basketball related, I, I've, um, I've hoped to have had a, a role in or had my hands on, but it's really more so just um, looking at our event strategy, um, our approach to um, how we're engaging with our athletes and our families and how we're still servicing the, the priorities of um, Nike. So when you look at um, our brand, um, what, Products we're launching and opportunities connect that on the events that we're doing and on the UIVL side and um, that's really kind of where I've filled in the gaps with some guardians of the game as I like to call the all the men mm. that I work with that have really been the, the gatekeepers to what's going on um, on the court and and everything else that they they get I try and take care of the other stuff so they can be all in on on what we need from a really on court development perspective.
0: Mm. But the the role I would imagine has has evolved over the years. And this is your yeah. this is your second stint, right? I mean, did yeah. you, you left at one point and then then yeah. came back? Is that right?
1: Yeah, I took a sabbatical. I went to the NBA, I call it my Nike sabbatical, um, <laughs> where I wore a few different a few different hats there as well. Um, but always filling these like innovation and strategy roles and trying to solve problems, looking at um what what Whatever the I, I did, I sent with the WNBA while I was um, in the league office and then also in basketball operations, um, leading a, a team that um, stood up uh, our all the flagship um, NBA events. So, All Star and NBA Combine were the two that I worked on. And then um, an opportunity came up to come back to, to Nike, and it was the perfect combination of all of the things that I like to do in my previous role and some Mm. new opportunities, um, on Mm. our, on our pro side to really, um, kind of expand upon the, the, um, marketing relationships, um, and, uh, innovation things that I I really enjoy working on. Mm. Mm, So I like my second stint. Uh, I guess I like them both, but my second stint stint's been a little bit more fun than the first, there's a lot of grunt work in the first stint.
0: Gotcha. So now let me ask you this, then. Then what is I mean, what's next for for Rachel Baker? Do you have aspirations to, you know, do continue to I'm sure everybody likes to continue to grow and continue to take on new challenges. But is that I mean, you had said this is not even a world you knew existed. And I'm sure you're you're uh, you're seeing worlds that that 99.9% of people still don't, myself included, probably still don't know exist. So, what really, you know, what what piques your interest moving forward as you start to think about your your future?
1: I think the basketball. Well, the basketball today doesn't look all that. I would say off the court, the the world off the court of the basketball doesn't look all that similar. Um, to what it looked like 10 years from now. And I think in the next five years, we're gonna see changes that completely um, supersede what we even saw previously. I think um, there's gonna be a ton of opportunities in just the players are holding all of us at a higher standard. They're really? holding the media that they engage with, the agents they sign, the brands they sign with, the teams they they go to to a higher standard. And I think the the future of all of those roles are hybrid roles. So I think um, teams are going to have to start looking at what they're offering um, their athletes to to stay um, competitive. So whether it is um, uh, media and and branding resources or help with their um on the purpose and philanthropy or and then even agents like athletes don't need someone just to negotiate a contract they want you to be able to help them develop what they want to do off the court they're producers and uh musicians and fashion icons and all of these things and for someone like me who's worn a bunch of different hats I think that I I think that there's going to be a few different um opportunities or directions i can go in mm. but i think um, i definitely see myself connected to basketball i think that our athletes our men and women are are in such a unique position to be at the center of not only their sport but um media and social justice and culture and everything that that i'm really driven by and and i think that um basketball is is um you know all of that is very unique to, to basketball and basketball athletes so it'll definitely be something connected to the sport i just i just don't
0: know why yet yeah, fair fair enough. I'm sure it's going to to evolve. Um, you mentioned different social justice initiatives, and we also touched upon you being a pioneer in terms of coming into this, this uh, again, for lack of a better term, what was previously a, a man's world. Um, are you aware and I'm going to add this, this is a lighter side comment. We used to I, I know you probably don't go to any other circuits. It's, it's probably just, just strictly Nike, but there was a point there. I snuck in once. Did you did you get thrown acceptance.
1: out? no, they didn't. They didn't recognize me.
0: Wow, wow. Now, did you wear non Nikes? That is the biggest. Absolutely question.
1: not. Absolutely okay. not.
0: So did you did you happen to notice? Because I noticed this. This was about five years ago, and actually a colleague of mine. You know, because you get to know the the event staff at different companies, and and um and I I said I said oh who's who's that I don't I don't recognize her I don't think I met her yet and, and a colleague of mine said. I don't know her name, but I know they, they're trying to make her their Rachel. And I was like, what? And I, <laughs> so like, i but I really do think that that you were, you know, the tipping point of uh, what has become a growing and obviously impactful trend. And so uh, in terms of incorporating um, more women into the grassroots business, even on the the boy side mm-hmm. and seeing the value uh, that, that not just yourself, but others after, after you have, have brought, but, but I'm not aware of anyone and and maybe this is my own naivete, but I'm not aware of anyone who did it before you. And I think just on the, on the surface, it seemed like other people were starting to play copycat uh, a few years ago. So I, I wanted to, I know that that's not even really a question, but I did want to ask you about the, you know, that impact and, and the, the, you know, kind of just the opportunity to, to, or the ability to make other opportunities for other young women trying to get into this space.
1: Um, I think that's what continues to motivate me. Um, I certainly was not supposed to be there on a longer podcast. We can Talk about all the reasons why they told me it wasn't the job for me when I, I first started to started to apply for a full time position and all the ways I was going to mess up and okay um, wait wait wait, wait.
0: I, I can't I can't I can't let it go they they didn't even they didn't even realize like like what you had to like continue to sell yourself the, the, initially there was some pushback they didn't think oh my that, like,
1: uh, Carlton Debose my dearest friend and my boss he um he saw what I could bring to the table and he totally went to bat for me. And they were like, all right, when this blows up, it's your fault. And he, in and and it was not a space created for 22 year old women. And I can't say that it would have worked out the way it did. If I hadn't grown up around the game, if my dad wasn't at all of the events, if I didn't like it, it just, it it changes things and how I interact. And I hope that um, I've been able to let, these not only the children that I work with the 15 16 17 year olds but also the grown men that did not know how to um interact and and, and engage with with um women in this space and to quite honestly take us seriously in a lot of ways mm. um, so I think it's been um yeah and I think that's why I take a lot of pride in um the work that I do the space that I'm in um, Hoping to open more doors for the next set of women because it's it's a completely different perspective that that we're able to bring in in working in um, this space. How we deal with athletes, how we deal with families, the relationship that I have—that's what I always say. Um, and even on on the pro side, like I'm here to help build and grow your business i'm here to help you become a better athlete to give you the resources to be able to provide for your family when you get to the next level we probably don't listen to the same music i don't want to talk to you about girls um what other, i mean i don't play video games like there's no friendship there um right. and i think that really cha- in in these a lot of these um boys in, in the grassroots space like lines are so blurred between friends and mentors and yeah. coaches and it, it completely stunts their ability the to grow side.
0: especially it's it's nauseating on the media side how that's like everybody's angle like let me let me you know tell these kids what they want to hear and trying to develop a relationship and I'm sure it's it's probably I never even considered the implications on your side
1: yeah, and so it's it, it's um, I in my first conversation I make it um, be known the the role or the hope I have to play in um, a family's experience a, an athlete's experience and if that's something they want to take advantage of I'm I'm here I'm open I have some of my still best friends in the world I met as um, parents or mothers or sisters or siblings to to some of these athletes and that means that the conversations that I'm having are about like serious things, it's either it's either um, from a business of the game perspective or or just about life. And I think that mutual respect is is a approach to this business that um, only women can provide. And I think that's why you're starting to see a lot more. Um, I think coaches, GMs, front offices, they've caught on to that, and that's where yeah. you've seen a lot more women start to fill those roles, and I think it's just going to continue to improve.
0: So you have, let's say, and I don't know if this has ever happened, I, I would assume it has because I, I know it it happens to me and I'm not nearly as, as unique, but I get emails all the time about how do I do what you do? So if you get an email from a, let's say, 16-year-old girl, how do I do what you do? A 20-year-old girl, how do I do what you do? What What is the answer?
1: I will be the first to admit I had a little bit of luck. Um, I will say my dad's at the Sixers. Now I was at the Sixers first and I got that internship on my own. So there, there's some roles I had in basketball, but I also knew someone that was able to give me the first opportunity. So I think relationships go a really long way. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not always going to be, uh, a family member. It might be, and I, it might be just in, I meet a lot of, um, younger sisters or or, uh, media and things at events and so I'm saying like you're already here you're standing here and there's probably someone either sitting in the stands myself my boss whatever that that you can then make a connection with that might go a long way but then also once you're given the opportunity take advantage like take advantage no one's gonna uh, going to um I don't want to yeah I guess no one's gonna outwork me in a lot of ways that's how I first met Carlton. I was it was one o'clock in the morning and I was up in the office, um, I was probably finishing rosters or something. I, am kind of obsessive about those things. So I was up late finishing something and he, he noticed the work that I was putting in. Um, I also completely blew him off because I really had to finish something and which I think he really respected because I wasn't there to hang out and, and just take advantage of the opportunities that are put in front of you. I have, um, certain things that I know on any project and any role with any staff in any conversation I can show up with and I can bring to the table every day. And I think identifying those things and, and leaning into them and and being really clear um, with what you can provide and also be solution oriented. Like, I don't believe in in the word no. I, there's a few different mentors I've had in my life that always found a way to get something done. And I think just Deciding what what those what you're going to hang your hat on, what in work and life and friendships or whatever are going to be your um, uh, ownable assets, and and really leaning into that and and making sure that um, you're always showing up that way. I guess
0: mm. no, that's that's incredible. You know, it reminds me uh, a couple things. So I I obviously work in sports. My brother works in mm-hmm. TV, and we have this kind of shared thing of like industries that like like yours, industries that everybody kind of daydreams about. Mm-hmm. And then they recognize and then they get there and it just becomes like a little too hard. You know, like they're not willing to, to put in the work. And, and my brother was a um, he was a personal assistant for a while. And he had a boss, a fairly famous boss who uh, who said first lesson she she told him was there's no such thing as no. Like figure it out so that you know you 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 tell that story and it just it 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 definitely resonates and i i think the other thing too is anybody who is in one of these positions is like you have to figure it out and you have to be willing to do more than the next person because it's just uh if you don't there's a long line of people and somebody will do it Mm -hmm. especially uh and i don't have appreciation for this but especially in a case like yours when there's no path no one's done it before you're just so i i, I chuckled when you said i kind of blew him off because i was like i bet that really did you know resonate i bet that was impressive he's got so many people i'm sure trying to connect with him so um this is exceeded my expectations so thank you so much um thank you. Now, I want to, I, I do have a tendency to geek out at the end of these things. So uh, I, I got one one or two more questions here because you mentioned, you know, don't listen to the same music, don't watch a TV show. But I love to ask about what people are reading, what they're watching, whether it's a documentary, TV show, movie, what they're listening to, podcasts, because I'm, I think it's like when I turned 40, now I'm kind of in like this personal growth <laughs> thing. So um so is there anything like what are is there anything usually the question is you know what are you reading what would you recommend or is or but there you're you're free to call an audible in terms of like hey this documentary was great or this podcast i i listened to that's so that's my last that's my last question
1: so watching um i'm hate watching your honor right now i don't know if you've seen it but it is a ball of anxiety the entire time um but i'm watching your honor um i'm reading i go back and forth between um i've been reading a lot this year actually and i'm trying to go back and forth between fiction and nonfiction because i love a fiction book and i would rather just get lost in um a thriller at all times yeah. um but i'm i'm just picked up at this morning actually super forecasting which uh, oh. daryl morey talks about on a podcast and that's when i ordered it um yeah. but it's about building um the right teams and also kind of what motivates people, which, which I think is really important and a lot of the work that we do.
0: So um, a lot
1: of reading and I'm sorry,
0: super forecasting. Yes. So this, this is the second part to this. I tend to order the books that people recommend like Shaka smart recommended like this book on meditation. And okay. I ordered it. And at first I was like, ah, and then a few, you know, a few months later I picked it up again. I was like, oh, I'm totally all in. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to get that one. So that's, that's great stuff. So Rachel, thank you so much for agreeing to do this and, uh, and for, for, uh, you know, just telling us your story. I really do think it's an inspiring one, not just for a, a lot of young ladies out there, but for a lot of people who are, uh, you know, looking to kind of pave their own path. So can't thank you enough for doing this. And as I said, folks, she, she is, a. Uh, Humble to a fault, obviously, but if you're if you see a list of people who are supposedly influential in the in the world of basketball, the world of grassroots basketball, and she's not on it, it's not a very good list. So thank you again for joining us, everybody. Uh that is, I'm your host, Adam Finkelstein. She is Rachel Baker. And until next time, thanks for watching watching. Thanks for listening.